Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. So if you sow peace and love and joy and and forgiveness, guess what you're going to reap? Peace and love and joy and forgiveness. If you sow uh, gossip and bitterness and strife and backbiting, you're going to reap the same. And if you sow financially, you will reap financially. The seed you sow will produce the same kind You see, this is kingdom giving, a kingdom giving principle. Galatians 6 verse 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for what are you listening to me? Don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows. What saints that shall he also reap. So if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh. If you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap blessings and positivity from the spirit. What you plant is what you will harvest. What you put in is what you get out. Right? What you put in Wachovia, y'all need to come with me now. What you put in Wachovia is what you're going to get out. If you put $200 in Wachovia, you are not going to go there and draw out $2,000. They have a laugh track for that. What you put in is what you're going to get out. What we become, what we do. And we cannot expect to reap the fruit of the spirit if we do not sow in the field of the spirit. Hosea 8, 7 says, you sow the wind, you reap. Anybody know? The whirlwind. So what you put in is what you get out. Hey, here's something for you. Who you hang around with is who you become like. Young folk, listen to me. I'm trying to help you. You hang around the right people, sweetie. Don't hang around wrong people. Because you might be a good person. You might be a nice person. But when you, look, I think my mama said, the Bible said bad company corrupts good morals. My mom used to say, you're going to become just like the folk you hang around. And that is so true, isn't it? And you know when your mom and your dad say something, you kind of think, when they say something, you go, ah, whatever. You don't know what you're talking about. But you'll never say it to her face, okay? You better walk away and say it. And then don't let her hear you mumbling. She go, what? What, you mumble something? Come here, I'll slap them teeth out of your mouth. <laughs> My mother was vicious. It was a vicious woman. <laughs> but she had two boys, and we're from Philadelphia. So she ain't had no time to keep telling us over and over again what to do. So she had to be a little stern, but I knew she loved us. But she would tell us, you hang around the wrong people, you're going to do the wrong stuff. If you sow a certain seed, you're going to reap that seed. Somebody once wrote, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, 
reap a destiny. You'll always, number two, reap after you've sown. Harvest comes later. The harvest comes after planting. You don't sow a seed today and harvest tomorrow. It's Ecclesiastes 3.2 that says there's a time to sow and a time to pluck up that which has been sown. There is a season to sow and a season to reap, and they are different. And the seasons are not simultaneous. We don't sow one hour and reap the next. You sow in the spring and you don't reap until the fall. And you'll always, point number three, you'll always reap more than you've sown. So number one, you'll reap after the same manner. Number two, you reap after you've sown. And then number three, you'll always reap more than you've sown. Can you say amen? A single seed, watch this, can grow a plant that produces hundreds or even thousands of seeds. A single bag of seeds can sow a whole field and produce hundreds of bags of new seed. We reap more than we sow. Think about it like this. If you sow an apple seed, the apple seed doesn't just grow more apples. It grows more apples with seeds. So we reap even, did you, did you get that? Did you get that? We reap more than we sow. And can I add one? I'm talking quick because I'm like behind. Can I add one? We reap only if we sow. In other words, you got to sow. I want to look at one verse really quickly. I told you before I left, we we're going to look at it. I want to look at it quickly. It's in Malachi chapter three. It's a very familiar verse, is it not? Malachi three, eight through 10 reads this. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. What does it say? Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me, God says, and this says the Lord. And if, you, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. We have all heard that verse. And we've all heard that verse in the context of you need to tithe. And if you do not tithe, is anybody listening to me today? And if you do not tithe, then you are cursed with a curse. We've all heard that. Most of us, I'd say, have heard that. Let me just tell you something really quickly, and I'm going to try to make this as quick as I possibly can. God is not in Malachi 3. This is very important to understand. God is not speaking to a person. He is speaking to a nation. God is not speaking to a person. Who's robbing God? Israel is robbing God. Israel was robbing others, and Israel was robbing themselves. Now, if you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you know I do not believe, and I've said this many times, I do not believe that the New Testament, please hear me. I do not believe that the New Testament teaches tithing. I do not believe that we as Christians, within the context of the New Testament, are taught that we need to tithe. And some of y'all are like, phew, that's great. Hold on, partner. <laughs> the rest is coming. Hold on. <laughs> I don't believe we're told to tithe. I believe the New Testament teaches more than tithing. Some of y'all are like, doggone it. <laughs> more than tithing. Tithing isn't a principle in the New Testament. Actually, the principle given in the New Testament, if you're taking your pen right now, is giving. 
is giving. Giving is taught in the New Testament. And there are plenty of people and preachers who teach that you must tithe. And then you might say to them, well, do you tithe? And they would say, well, of course I do. I tithe my tenth. And if they tell you that, which most 99.9999 will tell you that, then they are not tithing according to the law themselves. Because do you understand that according to the law, the law required them not to give a tenth of their increase, by the way, increase, but required them to give 23% of their increase. Because there were three basic ties. I'm talking fast, so forgive me. There are three basic ties. Number one, the general tithe, which is in Numbers chapter 18. Paid to the Levites to fund the national government and to compensate them for their tabernacle service. And then there was the worship tithe to be used for the celebration and the worship at the sanctuary, and then, and that's actually found in Deuteronomy 14, the worship tithe. Also, finally, the welfare tithe, again in Deuteronomy 14, stored up in the individual cities to feed the Levites, the orphans, the widows, and the strangers who lived with the Levites. So those three tithes, and actually there was even more, but let's deal with these three main tithes. With those three tithes, that's a 23% tithe. So people who tell you that if you don't tithe a tenth, you are cursed with a curse, then you say to them, honestly, quite factual, hashtag facts, if you don't tithe 23% of your income, then you are cursed. What you talking about, Willis? See, ain't nobody talking about that, right? Listen, if you're going to keep the law, then keep the whole law. That's all I'm trying to say. If you're going to keep the law, you got to keep the whole law. The reality is that the New Testament teaches that we as Christians are not told to submit to the tithing system. As a matter of fact, Eusebius, church father, he said tithing wasn't enforced in the apostolic church. Do you know in the New Testament, Paul never talked about a tenth tithe. Jesus never spoke about tithing. Now you say to me, wait a minute, Pastor Rodney, I know Matthew, when Jesus was in the Gospels, when Jesus was talking about the religious people who tithe cumin and mint, and they'd be like, nine for me, one for Jesus, nine for me, one for God, nine for me. Jesus talked about that in Matthew, and that's true. But then Jesus turned around and said to them, you are so concerned with being religious, you are so concerned with tithing and counting out nine for me and nine for you and one for me. How about if you focus on some love? How about Matthew 23? Go read it in your own time. How about if you focus on some justice? How about if you focus on some mercy? How about if you focus on giving me? This is what Jesus is saying. You're giving me your heart. How about that? And then give me your tithe. Because there are some people who want to give God a tithe, but they don't want him to have their heart. Am I right about it? He ain't for sale. Do you know that? God is not for sale. You can't buy him off. He's not like a mob boss. You can't buy him off. Y'all say amen. And by the way, one last fact, and we move on. By the way, 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So you have Malachi. From the Old Testament book Malachi, you have 400 silent years to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Do you understand that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is still within the dispensation, your big word, don't worry, within the dispensation of the law. The law is still active, still effective. People are still keeping the law. This is the problem they had with Jesus because he kept in their mind breaking the law. He's eating with gluttoners and drunkards and prostitutes. He's healing people on the Sabbath. Why? Because he was keeping the law. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the period of the law. We don't move into this area, era of the, 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 the Christian Christianity until the book of Acts. When Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit descended and now we fills believers and now we are the church of the living God. And this begins the New Testament. Are y'all following me today? Huh? I ain't trying to overload you. Okay. Right? The principle of giving. Is taught in the New Testament, which again can be more than tithe. In the New Testament, we are to give as God prospers us. Isn't it in 1 Corinthians chapter 16? Can I have that verse? I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm kind of tired. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Thank you. Verse 2. On the first day of the week, let each one of you. Y'all come on. Let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when we come. Listen, for us as believers, we are to come to church with something in our hand, with some financial gift in our hand. Every time you walk into the sanctuary, or no law, no legal, some people do it from the direct deposit or something, and they do it every two weeks. Okay, fine, leave it. But for the most part, this is what Paul is saying. When we come to church, we are to come to church with something in our hand. What does it say? As Can I have it in front of me, please? As Leave it there, please. As God prospers you, storing up as he may prosper. But you're to come with something. And you leave something in the offering because this is the church. This is our church. And churches have bills. Y'all say amen. I told y'all last time them goldfish ain't free. And I also told you your kids be eating a lot of goldfish. They be putting them down. I'm like, what? The goldfish again? Man, they be putting them goldfish away. And bills. Look, you can't run your home without paying your bills, right? You try not paying your electric, and when you flip it on, it ain't going to come on. Say amen. If you try, you try to try to not pay your mortgage, and guess what happens? You're gonna come home, and there's gonna be a yellow sticker on your door. Y'all don't even know what that is, do you? That says you ain't coming in, and they padlocked it. We have to pay bills in the church, and God uses His people to do that. God doesn't use chicken dinners and raffles and bingo to provide for the church. Somebody say amen. He doesn't do that. And listen, you want to have your chicken dinners and your raffles and all that stuff, then you do you. That's fine. But what I'm trying to tell you is God doesn't look what the church to depend on those things, those fleshly means to provide for his church. We are the church of the living God. 
That's why Paul says when you come to church, bring something. If every single, I've said it before, if every single one of us bring 20 bucks, if every single person in this church bought 25 bucks, we would have, if every single person in this church bought 30 bucks, y'all see I keep going up, right? (laughs) If every single person in this church bought 50 bucks, you know, I got great faith. Every single person bought $100 every single week. I got great faith. You ain't squashing my faith. My faith. <laughs> We'd have enough to do what it is that God has called us to do. Can you say amen? amen. Really quickly, Matthew six nineteen through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. It's for you on the screen. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures where, saints? Where neither moth nor rust destroy, thieves do not break in and steal. For where your, come on, read it with me. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Just going to say this really quick and move on. Money is connected to your spiritual walk. Jesus, we talked about that at great length. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will follow. My heart always goes where I put my money. The heart always follows your treasure. That's why God says, put your treasure in the kingdom because he wants your heart in the kingdom. So if you put your money in the kingdom, your heart's going to follow into the kingdom. Somebody once said, as surely as the compass needle follows north, Your heart will follow your treasure. That's true. Jesus is saying, show me your checkbook. Show me your debit card visa statement. And I'll show you where your heart is. Money leads, heart follows. Always in that order. Your heart moves toward what you cherish. And God wants you to move toward him. So you put your treasure in heaven. And then number three, our final verse today I've been reading Ecclesiastes in the morning lately, and I came across, this is a great verse, it's in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verses 1 and 2, it's on the screen, and it reads this, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight. For you do not know what evil will be on the earth. Cast your bread upon the waters. Think about that, saints. Taking a piece of bread. Think about that. Taking a piece of bread and casting it on the water. Maybe you're feeding the ducks. Maybe you're out there at Lake Pine feeding the geese. Which, by the way, them so angry geese out there. Have y'all been to Lake Pine? Let me tell y'all something. I'm scared of geese. Those geese are something. Now, them geese got the devil or something. Them geese is possessed. And I don't, maybe it's me because I got the spirit and they got the devil. So every time I go, they try to attack me. These are some really mean geese. And don't come near them. Look, don't even come near And when they got the little babies around, anybody know what I'm talking about? They got them babies around. You better go a different direction. I know that. And don't even, and you, and don't even come. Look, look, they're off on the side. And you think, well, I can scoot by. Don't even try it. Don't try it because they'll run back on your side just to torture you. Those are some mean geese. I don't know what they're doing and feeding them geese. (laughs) Y'all can see I get turned up about them geese. No, ma'am. No, sir. 
So maybe you're like out there feeding the geese or feeding the ducks or some birds or fish. And the Bible says, cast your bread on the water and after many days you'll find it. Now listen to this. If you've ever thrown bread on water, you know you'll never find it again, right? And why would you want to find some soggy, eaten, half-eaten bread, right? Who wants to eat wet bread? But the point here in Ecclesiastes 11, the point is, here's what, here's what it's teaching, to practice giving. To practice giving. And if we practice giving, it will come back to you. God will give it back to you. You know, the picture in the Hebrew language is to have an open hand and, and you don't give once or twice, but you give seven, even eight times. Generosity is the key here. The reason for casting your bread on the water is to let it go. Just toss it out. Give it away. Be generous. You know, God loves generous people, right? And God loves cheerful givers. And God gives to those he knows will send it ahead. He knows will put it in the kingdom. You know, I've often said, if God can get it through you, he will get it to you. If God can get it through you, some folk are asking God for money and God can't get it through you because you just want that money for yourself. You just want to heap it onto yourself. But if you're the generous type, and I know some wonderful, godly, generous Christians give you a shirt off their back. Christians give you a visa card and tell you, go get what you need. I know people like that. Anybody know people like that? Just go get what you need. And then I know some tightwads. I'm telling you, I know some tightwads, y'all. They are tightwads. They can squeeze Lincoln off a penny. They are tightwads. <laughs> tight their wads. Tightwads. Just tight. Won't give nothing. And always asking God to give more and give more for what? You know, you're asking God to give you a million dollars to trust you with a million dollars. But God can't trust you to give off a hundred dollars. So God loves generous people. God wants us to be generous and to give to the kingdom. Am I right about it? Solomon says, be generous and give. Take bread and throw it into the water. And then he says, after you do that, watch for your blessings to come. As a matter of fact, until you let it go, the blessings won't come. And somebody, I leave you right here. Somebody once said that God's shovel is bigger than your shovel. You picking up what I'm putting down? God's shovel is bigger than your shovel. So you can't outgive God. And God will owe no man anything. He'll never owe you anything. Whatever you give to God, he will give back to you. This is what we're to do in the, in the church. We're to help each other. We're to be generous toward each other. And that's why Paul says, when you come to church, give something. Every single one of us, every single week, you come to church and give something. And me personally, quite honestly, let me just say this. I personally couldn't do it. I couldn't come to church and receive from my pastor and receive from the other great pastors who teach Pastor Tim and Pastor Ian and all the great pastors and leaders who serve. Y'all say amen for them, huh? And who serve and, 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 and we got three and just walk in the door and don't, don't feel any responsibility. I couldn't do it because they're feeding me. 
I have a responsibility. The one thing that a church and leaders who are teaching this book, I ain't talking about the people doing whatever, whatever, and teaching people craziness. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you, the pastors who are true to God's word. They should never have to worry about money, something as worldly and as fleshly as something like money. That should be the last of our concerns. Our concern should be you. Our concern should be the people. Our concern should be when you call up and say, my mama is in the hospital. I'm going to go and see what your mom, how your mom doing. I don't need to be thinking, man, well, I can't go there because my tire blew out and the church can't give me no new tires. Don't I look homeless? <laughs> no, right? So let's all pull together and do just that. I'm going to continue to teach about money because y'all have released the beast. Until, I don't know, one or two more. Let's see, I got a few more things I want to talk to you about. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch, in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.